We are, we are here to torment you today. I, I warned my Sunday school class. It's positive, encouraging Father's Day holiday. So in Sunday school, we're in the uplifting and encouraging book of Habakkuk. And in worship, we're in the uplifting and encouraging third chapter of Job. So if you weren't depressed when you got here, I'm sorry. <laughs> because you might be when we leave. And so at least you'll be able to, like, stress eat for Father's Day lunch and enjoy it. So, you know, that's not going to be the goal. But in all seriousness, this is where the book of Job does begin to turn. And this will be, for a while, our last really short section from here. And we're going to have to be taking large chunks of this book in order to make it make sense. Now, up until this point, Job has done really well. So let's give some reminders here. Is Job being judged? No, 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 he's not. Is he dealing with difficulty and suffering? Yes. Is it judgment upon his sin? No. Now, again, we know that because we have had the curtain opened in heaven to show us what has gone on behind the scenes. Job does not know that part of it. Should Job know that this is not judgment? I would argue the answer to this is, Yes, because Job should be doing what work that I'm forever telling you to do. The evaluating your heart before God. Checking yourself, your motivations, your interactions, what you're doing and why you are doing it. The reason why I am forever hammering on that is because it will alter your worldview in this place. If you do not have a consistent way in which you think about the world, the constant pulling of sin from one direction, the world from the other, because they don't want to get on the same page because then you'd be able to resist in one direction, will pull you astray. And as I mentioned in Sunday school, it won't be you standing here and going, I'm going that way. It won't look like that. It will just be a baby step and another baby step and another baby step. And you will just kind of slide off and look around and go, how in the world did I get here? The other reason why this is going to be one of the last chapters we take like this is we have to take this carefully because you are going to see in Job chapter 3 what a crisis of faith looks like. And I want you to constantly be asking yourself a question throughout this. How would you answer? Because that is part of why this book is here. The the breakdown is going to happen to everybody. If you manage to make it through life of any length, and you do not have to deal with, tri- with, with trials, there you go, struggles and trials and difficulties. Again, if I could ever learn how to speak English, I'm going to be all set at this job, you know? <laughs> if you can manage to make it through life and not deal with those things, then I don't actually think you manage to make it through life or you are completely and utterly oblivious to everything around you. The question is not what's going to happen, but how are you going to react to it? Where will, your, where will your trust be? How do you think through these things? That is formulated by, a, a, by having a consistent worldview. If you do not, you are in grave danger. So again, as we go through this, We're going to bring biblical truth to bear. We're going to point out logical inconsistency where we find it. But I want you to be thinking, how do I answer this? Okay? Let's dive in. We're going to get real far. Job chapter 3, verse 1. Afterward, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Well, that escalated quickly, didn't it? 
I mean, we went from the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord, shall we not accept bad and good, you know, to I wish I'd never been born. Okay, you're not you when you're hungry. Have a Snickers, right? Now, is this unusual in Scripture? No, not in the least. There's a reason why I read that long section from Jeremiah this morning. The temptation from all humanity is to mourn when life is not doing well. This is what your sinful heart spurs up in you and tells you is the thing that is the problem. It's not sin that's the problem. It's not sin in me or sin in the world or any of those issues. It's bad things happen to me. How dare they? And by the way, you'll always know how big of a deal you think something is because when it happens to someone else, you can tell them what? It's not that big a deal. It'll be all right. We'll work through this. What happens to you? Ah, it's the end of the world. Why is it the end of the world? Because it happened to me. When it happens to you, it's not, a big, it's not a big deal. When it happens to me, it's a very big deal. Now, important distinction, because again, worldview matters. Understanding how you think through things and where things come from matters. Is this a curse of Job's life? No, at its core, what is it really a curse of? The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? It's Exodus chapter 4. Or Psalm 139. You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. Just wrap your brain around that sentence. What is exactly is an unformed substance? <laughs> just out of curiosity. And in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. This is not a curse of Job's life. This is a curse of God. How dare you make me and then make me live like this? Now, not a good start, but it's an honest one. And I appreciate honesty. I do. I tell you this all the time. The, the meanness rule does not apply in my house. That was mean. Was it true? If it's true, by definition, it cannot be mean. It simply is. This is true for Job. He's angry. He's hurt. You've never been there, right? You've never once had that motion where you went, <laughs> Yes, you have. I'm not going to tell you it's okay, but it is part of being human. For that too, Christ died. And this is part of where this book brings you back and part of where it drags you back is a reminder that at your core, you're broken. I'm broken. Welcome to the planet. But at our core is where God is doing his work. At our core is where he is changing, redeeming, and setting things right. This is why I'm telling you, changing hearts and minds. And always remember, always remember the flow of things. If I want to change your actions, I have to change how you think about the world. If I want to change how you think about the world, I have to first change what you want. And in order to change what you want in the world, I have to change who you follow and what you desire, the condition of your heart. That's what the gospel does. It changes hearts and desires, which changes thinking, which then changes action. It cannot work any other way, because at some point, you will get in the way of that process, and it will break down. You must have a change of heart, leading to a change of mind that leads to a change of actions, which is why I tell you to guard your words, to guard your actions. 
No, I'm forever telling you to guard your heart. Check your motivation. Check who you are at your core. Because if you do that, your thoughts, your words, your actions, as they flow out of that new heart, will be okay. This is where the breakdown comes in. So, <clears throat> let's dive in. Ready? Job said, Let the day perish on which I was to be born, and the night which said, A boy is conceived, may that day be darkness. Let not God above care for it, nor light shine on it. Let darkness and black gloom claim it. Let a cloud settle on it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. Why does Job want to darken that wonderful day? What's, what's the breakdown that we're having here? Because it's a very, very human breakdown. Job is living when? In his world. Now. He's living now, right? Where do you live? You live now. Job is evaluating what in light of right now? Everything else. Everything else. Job is looking at everything that has happened before and evaluating it in light of right now. Christian, can't do that. You just can't do that. It won't work. You will color and alter everything that has come before when you look at it from right now. There's actually a really wise saying, this too shall pass. You need to remind... <laughs> He's trying. He, tr he tried to step out. It's okay. When things are going bad, you need to remind yourself that this too shall pass. Um, I got some warning for you. You might want to remind yourself of that on occasion when things are going really, really well too. Because that's how you get off the roller coaster. And that's what Job is doing right now. And where's his roller coaster? <laughs> <laughs> he's under the ground. You know, they build the little tunnel for it and it's in the darkness. That's where Job is sitting. What should be happening now, right here? Galatians 6. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. This is why I warn you to be careful and wary in this world and to understand that if God loves you, God will prune you. He will discipline you. He will chisel off the idolatry and sin that you are dragging around in your daily life. Will you enjoy that process? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Is it a necessary process? Yes. Is it good for you? Yes. Is it going to be pleasant? Absolutely not. Which is why you have to have a way that you think about the world before you enter into them. Because if you do not... This is what it begins to look like. It begins to look broken. The right attitude is something like Philippians 3. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And more than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. An understanding that my life is not lived so that I will be happy. My life is not lived so that things will be pleasant or 
to pick on a particular brand of supposed Christianity. God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Okay, get that out of there. I've told you my take on all faith healers. If you want me to take you seriously, go clean out a wing of the children's hospital and then we'll talk. Once you've done that, then we can talk. Until that day comes, sit down and shut up. Because I've got no quarter for this. What's the problem with that? It takes the pruning, the discipline, the sanctification that you are walking day by day, and it trivializes it. It makes it some crisis and problem of your faith. You didn't do enough. You weren't good enough. You weren't special enough. You didn't pray hard enough. You didn't read your Bible enough times. You didn't come to church enough. You didn't give enough. You didn't do something. Christianity is not about you. It's about Christ. It's about the glory of God and the building up of his people by his work because of who he is and what he has done. The whole point of your existence from this point forward in Christ is to die to yourself, forsaking the things of this world, and follow after him. That does not mean that life is awesome. Now, this doesn't mean life needs to be miserable either. It means that joy must be rightly defined as grounded in Christ and his good gifts and everything flowing forward. That's part of where this starts. That's what having a consistent Christian worldview gives you. If you lose that, and that's the technical term for this, because there's just no, how do you explain this? How do you describe this? It is a brokenness. It is a corruption of heart and mind because trust and hope is placed in something else. Doesn't matter what that something is, it is something else else. Which, by the way, quick aside, real quick before I read the next verse. Um, we didn't turn anything on this morning because the sun hadn't come up yet. Is anybody else roasting or is that just me? Are you good? Okay, you're good. If you, if you, I can take it if you can. Because <laughs> I'm usually the warmest one in the room. So if it starts getting too much, let me know. We'll turn something on because that's why I, this is as far as I go. So the sleeves will go up. All right. <laughs> ah, I, I, I don't try to ask the women. The women are always cold. <laughs> All right, verse six. As for that night, let darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful shout enter it. Let those who curse it, I'm sorry, let those curse it who curse the day, who are prepared to rouse Leviathan. Let the stars of its twilight be darkened. Let it wait for light but have none. Let it not see the breaking dawn because it did not shut the opening of my mother's womb or hide trouble from my eyes. Unless you're Batman, is there any real solace in darkness? No. Why not? Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed bed in the grave, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as as, as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. If you're going to curse God and you're going to go on the run and hide from him, is the darkness your friend? Is death your friend? Is anything your friend? No. Because God is God and he sees and he reigns over his creation 
and he is at work even when the darkness seems overwhelming and even when the black seems all-consuming. This is a crisis of faith for Job because this is a crisis of understanding who he is in this world. It is a crisis of understanding who is at work and what that work is meant to accomplish. This is why I mock that whole prosperity thing. Because if you do not understand this rightly, you will hit difficulty, you will hit the speed bump, and you will fall apart. And when that happens... The things that would put you back together are the things that would have kept you from falling in the first place, which means you don't have them in your toolbox. Because if you fell apart, you would we can't use them. We gotta do the work from the ground up. I'm trying to get you before you get to that point to where you actually have thought through this so that when the speed bump hits you, it's like a good, you know, a quality highway, not a Midwestern highway speed bump, you know? <laughs> which I've told you before, I keep seeing that commercial for, um, for, for uh, Pritzker where he's explaining how they got all the money to fix the roads and he's driving and as he's driving, the, the cameraman is doing this. It's like, yeah, the roads are so awesome that the cameraman's going. Self-awareness in this world is dead. It shouldn't be for the people of God. We should know who we are, what we are, and what we're doing in this place. Because when you get all that, you can evaluate why you're standing, why you're walking, and how you're accomplishing these things. Which means when those you know, nice Illinois speed bumps and potholes hit you, you don't crumble. You don't break. You continue on because it is not you holding things together, but it is Christ. Again, this is why. What's, what's the prayer? What does the prayer look like? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Isn't that what he's doing? Isn't that the work? Where's the temptation? We, men we mentioned this it was last, week or, or last week or two weeks ago. I don't remember. The temptation isn't from God. It's from your heart. What does God have to do to get you to sin? <laughs> Other than go, let's see what happens next. <laughs> what do you know? Again, it's, it's kind of like you put sin in front of us and then God just has to turn into the Templar from Indiana Jones. You have chosen poorly. Yeah, he drinks out of the wrong cup. The Nazis always drink out of the wrong cup. Yeah. Go watch Indiana Jones, it'll do you good. <laughs> I can't promise you that's the last bad pop culture reference for the morning, just so you know. But he, nothing complicated has to be done. We just have to leave you to yourself and you will go astray. It is actually God's work that keeps you from going astray. Which is again why I tell you, when the world starts pulling, what holds you is Christ. He is the anchor. He is the root. He is the firm foundation. He is the one that you are built on. He is the one that you are living for. If not, everything starts to fall apart. So Job is not seeing that, so he continues. Verse 11. Why did I not die at birth, come forth from the womb and expire? Why did the knees receive me, and why the breasts that I should suck? For now I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept then. I would have been at rest. With kings and with counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves, or with princes who had gold, who were filling their houses with silver, or like a miscarriage which is discarded, I would not be as infants that never saw light. Believe it or not, that's pretty much a longing from every sinful human ever. Every single one. 
Go back to Genesis 5. Lamech lived 182 years and became the father of a son. Now he called his name Noah, saying, This one will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. I don't care what you do for a living. If you work for a living, you know, you work with your hands or you build things or you have to spend your time outside or if you sit in an office all day, you get home at the end of a work day once you pass about 30 years old and what do you want? (laughs) Because it doesn't matter what it is, whether it was the work that you did or whether it was the computer screen or whether it was the people you had to talk to, I am officially now tired. And all I want is rest. It's universal. You want to sit down, Eat a meal and be left alone. I just want rest. This is what humanity has wanted since the garden. Why? Because sin corrupts everything. Heart, mind, activity, labor. Everything is toil. Everything is work. And if you have managed to find something that isn't, God bless you. (laughs) But I guarantee you there is some aspect of how you make a living that at the end of the day you just go, okay, I'm better now. You may enjoy your work, but there's something in life because the sinful heart is now just longing for rest. That's intentional. It's intentional. You're meant to be worn down. You're meant to be beat up. You are meant to be longing for a day when you can just... The problem is, it's not there. Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's supposed to be in Christ. It's supposed to be in the work and promises of God. It's not supposed to be here. If it was here, what would you think about this place? You would love it. There's a place where I can go find rest. I mean, think about this. You ever said, I've been sitting too long? <laughs> I want you to think about this. Go do something on your feet all day. What do you want? I want to sit down. Go sit down all day. What do I want to do? I want to stand up. You people are never happy, are you? (laughs) You are so discontented. Same with me. I'm included in in this you here. We are so discontented that if I sit too long, I get sore. I can't be at rest when I am at rest. That's just weird and broken and messed up because there's no rest here. There's no hope here. There's no salvation here. It is in Christ. It is in the promises and fulfillment of the work of God that he has done down through the ages. If you forget that, you will long for it in the weirdest places, like death. Now, if you think this has no bearing on the modern world, do you wonder why? We're self-destructive. Why we have drug addiction and why we have alcoholism and why we have cutting and why we have the mental illness that we have and why we have the suicide rate that we have and why we have all of the other ills that we have. It's because you look and you look and you look and you hope and you hope and you hope and what do you find under the sun? But vanity, vanity and striving after the wind. Solomon wasn't dumb. He was brilliant. When you long for the hope in this place, there is no solace here. Jeremiah chapter 6. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see. 
Ask for the ancient ways where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. So I set a watchman over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. What would a world look like that rejects God, engages in idolatry, and seeks to satisfy the longings of its heart and soul from everything that is found under the sun? And what would that world look like if it did this year after year, and decade after decade, and century after century, and millennia after millennia? Would it get better? Would it look one day and go, look, 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 I know, I know we've tried this before, but hear me out. Maybe if we try it again, <laughs> it'll work out differently this time. This is why I tell you to study some history. Because you will see that the, uh, the new paganism is the old paganism, just repackaged with a shiny new bow and presented as if it's something unusual. That's why I always tell you, how many, how many temptations are there really? How many lies are there really? Just one. Did God really say? It may not be phrased exactly like that, but is that what marriage is really all about? Is that how we should train children, really? Is that the way that you're supposed to do things at work? Is that the way you're supposed to evaluate a candidate? Is that really the way you're supposed to deal with your neighbors? Is that the stuff you're supposed to be buying? Is... Pick something in the world. Did God really say? A Christian, what's the answer? Yes! <laughs> world loves hearing that, right? No, because the answer from the world is de facto, no, of course not. We are smarter than that. We are wiser than that. We have progressed. We have, dare I say, evolved beyond this primitive understanding of humanity. Look at us. <laughs> and yet, we're more medicated, more miserable, more suicidal, and we hate everything more and more day by day. It's almost as if paganism, when left to its own devices, corrupts and destroys because sin does what? It corrupts and destroys. Again, Christian, how do you answer this? How do you combat this? Where is the hope actually found? There are wicked, all right, so there the wicked cease from raging, verse 17, and there the weary are at rest. The prisoners are at ease together. They do not hear the voice of the taskmaster. The small and great are there. The slave is free from his master. You know, Job, if not for all the, the depressed God-hating here, is, um, <laughs> is almost picking up on some actual conclusions. So I mentioned Ecclesiastes, and I've told you before, I, I love Ecclesiastes because Solomon 3,000 years ago nails the modern world. He doesn't need an iPhone to explain how the iPhone makes you miserable. <laughs> he doesn't need Google to tell you everything wrong with humanity. What's the conclusion he drew? The conclusion when all has been heard is, fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. The prisoners are at ease together. They do not hear the voice of the taskmaster. Yeah, they do. The small and the great are there. Yeah. The slave is free from his master. No, he's not. Why does nobody get out of judgment? Why does nobody get out of judgment? I mean, think about this. Wouldn't it dawn on you after a few years, a few decades, to be like, you know what? Now that I think about it, I was kind of wrong about this whole God thing, and I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> 
I was awful and I was terrible and I was a violator of commandments and I knew it and I know it and I mean, I literally can see the hellfire all around me and so you know what? My bad. <laughs> Why does nobody do that? They, 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 they literally can't stop hating God. They can't stop sinning. They can't stop, how dare you do this to me? <sighs> I mean, gotta have a good hiss in there. It's not a Sunday morning without a good hiss in there. there Why? Because who's the master and commander of their lives? They think they are. Who's the one who should rule and reign? That's who should be, but who do they think it should be? Me. I mean, how dare you do this to me? I was actually pretty good. I mean, by comparison, I could have been a lot worse. I mean, look, look, you put me on one end of the scale, you put Attila the Hunt on the other. Come on, come on, how's that look now? Pretty good, right? You know. You know, put me on one end of the scale. You put Mengele on the other end. I'm looking pretty good now, aren't I? You know, could have been a lot worse. Is that the standard? Absolutely not. This is your bad pop culture reference. What's the problem with this mindset? It's Johnny Lee theology. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for hope. Looking for security. Looking for peace. Looking for rest. Looking for it anywhere but what? In God. I will search and I will hunt and I will find nothing. Because as long as I look for it in myself or in other people or in things or in anything in this world that has been created, I will be looking for a failure. And that is part of the breakdown. And that is the temptation that occurs for even God's people. What was the description of Job when we first met him? Blameless in all his ways. And now I cautioned you. Does that mean sinless? No. It means redeemed, and it means forgiven, which is why right now we're going to make a distinction. So this is going to kind of spoil the whole rest of the book, but it's worth it, and I've already made this distinction. So if you've been paying attention, this is not a shock. Would you call this good right now where Job is? Is Job in a good place? No. If you are God, is Job in a good place? (laughs) Kind of a trick question there. Because from his human perspective, no, Job's in a terrible place. From a faith perspective, Job is in a terrible place. Where's Job going to get to? And why? This is why it was important that Job is blameless. It does not mean sinless. It means redeemed and sanctified and being sanctified by God. If you were in charge of heaven, is Job getting in at the end of chapter 3? (laughs) <laughs> no, you're standing with Peter at the pearly gates going, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I'm kind of looking at this little whole rundown thing. This is not a good place. Is that the standard? No. And yes, I know that he who perseveres to the end will be saved. Why will you persevere to the end, Christian? It is not because of your wisdom, not because of your brilliance, but because of the work that God has done and the work that God is doing. The same thing applies to Job. Verse 20. Why is light given to him who suffers? and life to the bitter of soul, who long for death, but there is none, and dig for it more than for hidden treasure, who rejoice greatly and exult when they find the grave. Job's just getting happier and happier as we go, isn't he? Now again, you could never find a human being that would long for death, could you? Never in a million years, right? You could never possibly hope for that. People do it all the time. They medicate. They self-medicate. Because they've convinced themselves what? That there is some hope in nothing. That whatever that is has got to be better 
than this. This again why is why, Christian, I tell you to think through your world rightly because that mindset is the mindset, again, that sees everything through the lens of now. There is no tomorrow. There is no yesterday. There is only now. And it becomes an all-consuming, hate-filled existence. And you will convince yourself of all sorts of brokenness. Ecclesiastes 4. I looked again at vanity under the sun. There was a certain man without a dependent, having neither a son nor a brother, yet there was no end to all his labor. His eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked, and for whom am I laboring and depriving myself of pleasure? This too is vanity, and it is a grievous task. Solomon nails the exact same problem, the exact same breakdown. How should you think about this place? Matthew chapter 5. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Who is sovereign over this world? God is. Now, you ready for the fun question? Who is sovereign over your world? And you immediately say, well, God is. Yeah, is he really? Do you think like that? Do you evaluate like that? This is the place I, I want to poke at you. Because this is how the thinking turns is understanding day by day that it is God who is at work for good and for ill. Because you know what I need every once in a while? I I need a little ill every once in a while. (laughs) I need somebody to kick me in the butt. I need the gib slap and the music. What are you you doing? Okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. right. I, I need that because I'm broken. I'm messed up. I'm a sinner saved by grace and being sanctified. That's present tense. I am being sanctified. I'm not there yet, which means the minute I'm no longer being disciplined and being strengthened and being shown the error is the minute that something really, really bad is about to happen in my heart and mind because that brokenness will grow and fester without the work of God to continually go, stop. I need that. Therefore, I can think through it rightly. Because I know that, because he has strengthened and changed my heart, I can now live and speak and think in this world rightly. Again, change of heart, leading to a change of mind, leading to a change of deed and word. This is the process that we go through on a constant basis. Psalm 145 gives you the same reminder. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy over are over all his works. Christian, in Christ you are one of his works. Now again, if you have a child who say, you know, wants to take a hot poker to his sister, should you just be like, you know, sweetie, schnookums, I, I don't really think that's the best attitude in a way we should, you know, love our sister. Would you like to think about this and maybe talk about you know, not burning her and scarring her for life? Is that, is that a good, healthy response to that situation? Or is, what are you doing? Give me that story. What is wrong with you, child? That may be a little bit more close, a little closer to the appropriate response to that. Yeah, yeah, one more than the other. But that wasn't very nice. I might have scared the poor little baby. I might have hurt his little hand when I pulled that dangerous implement out, right? I could have done all sorts of terrible things. And you know what? He deserved every one of them. 
He needs discipline. Oh, 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 I get to use my word. He needs a good smiting. <laughs> I need a buzzer, so every time I say, every time I work smiting in, we can ring a bell. What do you think? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just I'll, I'll give Matt in the back a little bell. Every time I get a smiting in, he's ding. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It'd be good for us. No, but why is that necessary? Because there's danger, there's problem, and this needs to be created. This needs to be correct. This needs to be corrected now, not five minutes from now, not next week, but now, Christian. If your God loves you and He sees you being self-destructive and He sees you wallowing in your sin and your idolatry, what's the most loving thing He can do? Stop it. Win. Now, not five minutes from now, not five years from now, not after it has destroyed your life and your family and your relationships. He needs to stop it now. That will not be pleasant. That, dare I say, will not be fun, but it will be good and necessary. And that is the work that we need to long for in this life, and that is the work that we need to be about in this life. So, verse 23. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in? For my groaning comes at the sight of my food, and my cries pour out like water. For what I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet, and I am not at rest, but turmoil comes. Yes. Yes, it does. But Christian, keep it in perspective. Psalm 84, a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Ecclesiastes 7, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. James 4, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Now, I told you from the beginning, I don't blame Job. Job hurts. Anybody going to try to argue that point? Just make sure, you know, okay, we're good. We, we can all agree on that. Job is in some serious pain. What does he need? He needs some serious comfort. Where should he find it? Now, here's the problem, Christian. He's a little mad at God right about now. I mean, just a, just a tiny little bit. When that is the case, how does God speak? How many of you have been sitting around in your pain and suffering and, you know, suddenly in your room all of a sudden, I am God here to comfort thee. I mean, has that ever, that ever happened? No, if it has, um, I don't know if I want you to invite me over or not. Kind of on the fence here. <laughs> where, where does your encouraging word come from? Where does the calming voice occur? Welcome to the people around you, Christian. Welcome to the community of faith. Who's Job complaining to? <laughs> He's got three buddies that just traveled around and sat down and stared at him for a week. Like, 
dude looks a little rough. They weren't going to say anything until Job said something. Well, Job has now said this. Do you maybe understand a little bit more things like 1 Peter 3? Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you, to give an account for the hope that is in you. That's not just an evangelism thing. That's a comfort thing. That's a discipleship thing. That's a raising children thing. That's a healing marriages thing. That's a talking to your neighbor thing. What is guiding your life? What has changed your heart and mind? How do you see the things of this world? Because if you try to fight this, and your answer is, well, you know, it's not that bad. Do you want to go look at the body count? Do you want to scrape some boils for me? Do you want to go find some of the flocks, maybe, and see if anybody survived? What, pray tell, do you mean when you say it's not that bad? Well, yeah, this too shall pass. <laughs> not really comforting, is it? And again, does Job know the truth? Yes, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You speak as one of the foolish women. Shall we accept good from his hand and not ill? But there reaches a point where you think about it and you think about it and you get into yourself and I was doing good and I was right and I was teaching and I was training and I was offering sacrifices. And <sighs> What's the cure to that? What's the correction? Coming back to who you are and why you are that way. Is it because of your sacrifice? Is it because of your wisdom? Is it because of your goodness? Is it because of the awesomeness of your faith? Is it because of the way that you have trained your neighbors? Is it because of the way that you have encouraged? Is it because of that little old lady you helped cross the street one day? Is it because of any of those things? Or is it because of who God is and what he has done? Remembering where and why you stand is vital in this world because when you forget it, you are doomed. Doomed. There is no hope because you have looked away from the source of rest, the source of hope, the source of peace, the one who provides love, the one who grants grace, the one who carries you through. And that is why I warned you about making sure we remember who Job is and what that description of blameless means. Because I'm going to give you the second spoiler. Job's friends are utterly worthless. <laughs> and we are going to dive into them. But they are utterly worthless because they think, just like Job did, that some of this was on them. Which means they have forgotten God. Which is why I asked you from the beginning, how would you answer? Because if your answer to that question was anything other than the foundation that God has laid, the salvation that he has promised all the way back to the garden, that he is accomplishing in Christ, completing in you, and carrying, carrying to the final day of his kingdom. If your answer starts anywhere but there, you are just as useless as Job's friends because you are pointing to the wrong thing. And this is how we have to evaluate everything in life. Everything. What foundation is it built upon? And I don't just mean by lip service. I mean by heart and thought leading to action. What is my life built upon? What are my struggles built upon? What are the accomplishments of my existence built upon? Because if they are not focused on Christ, you have found your idol. You have found the thing that you must now kill because otherwise, if God loves you, he's going to kill it for you.
it's a whole lot easier to repent and trust than it is to go through this. <laughs> Just in case you weren't aware. <laughs> and if you're looking at someone who is struggling, and you're looking at someone who is doubting, and you're looking at someone who is fighting, if the foundation you are attempting to rebuild for them is anything other than that firm foundation of Christ and his accomplishment, then you are building on the wrong place. Start again and get to the end goal together because that is who God is and what he is instructing for his children. Let's pray.